Good day, good day, and welcome to Your Voice, Your Power. Today, I am here with the amazing Heather Wild Smith. Hey, Heather. Hi. Can you tell the world who you are and what you do? I am a sales coach for people who hate sales. No, um, I am... I am a sales coach for high integrity coaches and healers and um, mentors, you know, high integrity entrepreneurs who are wanting to fill their practice with dream clients with like soul aligned clients and really do great work in this world. And they want to create financial freedom, but they're absolutely not willing to sell their souls in order to sell their services. And I help them to custom design ways of selling that feel really good to them so that they can show up on their sales calls very confident and um, and really pick and choose, like really know how to see if someone is the right fit for them before they even sell. And um, it allows them to actually start selling and feel good about it. I absolutely love everything that you said. You just used some words that are so true. You talked about selling your soul to sell. And I think that anybody that's an entrepreneur can relate to that because you're constantly trying to convert, convert, convert. You want results, results, results. And it's like, what are you willing to do to get those results? And you just said, you don't have to sell your soul in order to get results. Nope. Nope. And it's something that I, I had a lot of mindset issues around sales, um, you know, from my family. Um, it's funny. I watched, uh, I rewatched the sitcom Cheers over the summer. And I, I found out that a lot of my nasty mindset toward rich people actually comes from that show. <laughs> oh my gosh. It, influence. People don't understand. Influence comes from all kinds of places and you don't even know that it's seeping in there when it's just, it's sulking. It's getting in and it's getting in deep. Especially like when you're laughing and, you know, which is one of the reasons why I, I, I'm going to become a, a transformational comic and I'm going to talk to people about like some real shit, but I'm going to have them laughing about it. But later on, they're going to think about it and be like, damn, that's, that's true transformation when you're changing and you don't even know you're changing. Yeah. Not, not in like a sneaky, you know, kind of way, but kind of like the George Carlin way where he's talking about something that's completely like effed up, but then you, you're laughing about it. And then you think about it and you're like, Oh, I, I really probably should do something about that. <laughs> but yeah. So sales, you know, I had a lot of baggage around sales and then I came into the coaching industry, which saved my life. And so I'm super passionate about it. And you know, my whole thing is that we're, we're supposed to, you're in this industry, you're supposed to be about helping people, you know? Mm -hmm. And yet when I started going to business trainings, uh, the sales tactics just felt really gross. They were not aligned. And, um, you know, example, I, I give this example a lot, but one place was using NLP in their sales script and they wanted you to use the sales script word for word and NLP neuro linguistic programming is a form of hypnosis. So you're hypnotizing people without their consent and then pitching a several thousand dollar program. Mm -hmm. I did not find that to be ethical. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when I raised questions about it, oh, that's, it's, it's ethical. It's just your, your success issues. It's just your money issues. Well, I went and I worked on my success and my money issues and I still thought the damn thing was not ethical. Um, and so I kept investing in these programs thinking, that some, somewhere there was going to be a way of selling that felt good. And each time I invested in a program, 
I got closer, you know, like I got found things that were a little bit of a better fit, but I was $14,000 in before I found a way that was like 90% a fit. And there were still things about it I didn't like. And so I kind of, part of it was genuine frustration. And part of it was I was running from my calling as a coach. And I was like looking for a reason to like mm-hmm. bail out, you know, mm-hmm. so I'm just like, oh, so another $6,000 down the drain. You know, it's not going to work, you know, yep. I'm a chauffeur. And, uh, <laughs> and then finally, like, I was like, okay, there has to be a way there has to be. And so I came back into the industry and I got some one-to-one help from people who did not sell like sociopaths and, uh, really created my own way of selling, had no intention of being a sales coach, no intention of being a business coach. I'm a transformational coach at heart. But by the time I realized this, I'm like, you know, the people that I really want to claim as my colleagues and coworkers are these high integrity people and high integrity people have a very hard time selling because of the ways we're being taught to sell. It feels gross. It doesn't work for them. And so, I was like, yeah. So since I, I know this, I'm like, I can help these people to get out there and do the work that they know they're born here to do. Like I only work with people who it's like their sole mission to do whatever work they're doing. Right. And, um, that making money is great, but it's not worth it. If they're not actually fulfilling their soul contract, they're not actually helping people. Right. And so, um, and those are the kind of people like there's so much good in the personal growth industry, spiritual growth, you know, all this stuff, there's so much good here, but we've got a nasty reputation because of the scam artists and the people who are out here for the wrong reasons. So I want to help more of the people who are in this for the right reasons to get out there and start selling so that they can get out of their nine to five jobs, or, you know, they can um, more easily support themselves. The more money you have, the more time you have, the more focus you can give on giving back is my way of thinking. You just said something. You said fulfill your soul contract. I, your phrases, they, they get me. They just get down deep into my soul. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, you know, you, your phrases are like the blues. Like, you know, you know that it might be a little depressing. They might require a little bit of work, but they just get down into you. They just tap on your heartstrings and it's like ding, 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 ding. So yeah, you got to break that down. Fulfill your soul contract. What is a soul contract? So I, I've, I've heard the term, I don't know if I'm going to define it the same way that I have, you know, heard other people talk about it. But what, what I mean is like, I've known my whole life that I was here to help people. It, it took until in my thirties before I figured out what that actually meant, but I love to help people. Now, mind you that was unhealthy in the earlier part of my life because I was really codependent. But in my thirties, I reeled that in and now I know how to help people who help themselves. And, um, so for me, you know, I know that my purpose on this planet is to coach and to help and, and I'm an energy worker as well. So I know I'm here. Well, I, it was revealed to me that my mission is to remind people that they have choice that they can create a life and a business and everything from their own standards, values, and desires, that they don't have to go off the blueprint of what their culture says is okay, or what their family has done for 10 generations or whatever. Like you can really decide and really live from this 
from from what from what's fulfilling to you, right? And uh, what was revealed to me is is my purpose to have that message, but also be leading by example, which <laughs> puts me on the spot. <laughs> but people are much more attracted to you know if they see you doing something, then you're just talking about it. Um, but the way that I'm doing that in my current my coaching business right now is to help people build a business that's based on their standards, values, and desires. So their standards of what it means to be an ethical entrepreneur, their, you know, their values of, I want to help this person and I want to have them as a client so that we can have this, you know, reciprocity where they're helping me to pay my bills and, and, you know, and to thrive so that I can then give my knowledge and my wisdom and my energy back to them to help them create something for themselves. Um, I kind of got lost in what I was saying there. Um, but yeah, to create that and, and but that it has to be, it, it has to be about you helping someone. It can't just be about like, how much money can I get as quickly as possible? Absolutely true. And you also mentioned reciprocity, which I think a lot of people, you know, um, me and you were talking about that, that, you know, it has to be there that you have to feel that, you know, you're not, business is about relationships. Coaching is even about relationships. There has to be congruence. There has to be um, ethics, there has to be respect, there has to be gratitude, there has to be um, a want. I mean, you even mentioned helping people who want to help themselves. That is the key. And and yeah, you, you can break that down some more because you just make me want to shout. Go ahead and, and share about that a little bit. We're going to get happy and dance. <laughs> I feel like I'm at my auntie's church. Okay, so, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so when we're talking about reciprocity and we're, I'm sorry, I got happy and I forgot exactly what you wanted me to break down. Oh, people that want to help themselves. Okay. So, um, a huge part of my life, um, I, I've always been on a growth path and, you know, I knew like I, I was growing up in a dysfunctional home and I was just really unhappy. I didn't realize it was dysfunctional at the time, uh, but I couldn't understand why I wasn't happy. And so I was always looking for, how can I be a better person? How can I be a happier person? How can I, you know, there's, there's, my young brain and even to this day as I look around and I'm like it doesn't have to be like this I don't understand why it's like this because it doesn't have to be like this like so many things and from my from very young age I had those thoughts and so I've always been of the mind of, of trying to of figuring out like how can I be a happier person how can I be a better person how can I be more fulfilled how can I be a more useful member of society and um so I naturally thought that everybody else thought like that and that everybody wanted to be on this growth path, right? <laughs> I see you laughing. <laughs> and so I, I always think like, everybody thinks like me and I think that is our biggest struggle. We are all trapped in our own experience. And as I get older, the more I appreciate and the more I am fascinated by how differently we think mm -hmm. and how we can have a conversation and we think we're saying the same things and then come to find out that we were on a completely different page. Man, it was echoing. It was bouncing off the walls. It was like not received whatsoever. No, completely. Like, it's like you, you were both there. You're both it having, you're both saying, you know, the words but somehow something completely different was conveyed, right? And 
we're all trapped in our own experience. You know, we just, we think, well, I mean, everybody's family's like this, or everybody thinks like this, or, you know, everybody's culture is like this. And it's, and it's not like, we're all, we're incredibly diverse. We're so diverse that we don't even know how diverse we are because we don't even know how to begin communicating about it. That's right. (laughs) And so, I was always, you know, I was, I, I thought everybody else wanted to grow. And so I, I would try to get people to grow with me and I would try to help them and people didn't want my help. Um, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> I'm over here. I'm like, is she in my brain? She really did just say that. Oh my goodness. I mean, I came to that rele- revelation, like, uh, about two years ago, and then I'm like, what do I do now? <laughs> yeah, so what, what happened with me was um, I attracted a lot of people that were users. I attracted a lot of people wow. that um, they, they wanted, uh, they would tell me they wanted help, but what they really wanted was attention. They wanted um, somebody's shoulder to cry on, and I had no self-esteem, you know, growing up a dysfunctional family, growing up, you know, bisexual in small town South, you know, uh, I had no self-esteem. And so all my self-esteem was derived from these people saying, Heather, you're such a good friend. I don't know what I would do without you. You give such good advice. Well, the thing was, they never took the damn advice. And, you know, in two weeks or less, they were coming at me with the same bullshit over and over and over again. Oh my God. Are we twins? Anika? Yes. 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 I'm just glad that you're saying it. Like I didn't say it. She said it, but it's true. So hey, I, I, I'm telling you, I think I'm a, I think I'm allergic to the same BS. You know what I'm saying? Cause it's like, I thought we had already addressed this. I thought we had already come up with a plan, but you didn't execute the plan. So we're, you're still in the same place, but I moved on. I'm giving myself permission to do that now because that's where I'm at now. I'm like, are we still having the same crap? I'm not in the conversation anymore. Yeah, because, and this is is where I finally had to get it. Like, there's people that are happy in their misery. I used to be. I was that person. I was the queen. I had the flag and everything. I was leading the pack. I mean, you know I get it, but, you know, but I made a decision that I had outgrown the pack and that I ain't like that look anymore. And I was like, hmm, there's more out there. Oh, if she can do it, I can do it. How does she do that? Let me figure it out. And I'm good for deconstructing something to figure out the pieces of how to reconstruct it my way. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, but I was, I was always trying to help people and, um, attracting you know people who were were takers you know for the most part Mm -hmm. and um just being depleted and i was like you know i would want somebody to help me you know if i was in this situation so i'm going to help them and and i was addicted to that people pleasing and that praise you know for being the good friend and everything but these people didn't want to change like they're um, a lot of people are really addicted to victimhood you know and uh personal accountability is is huge um, but I was also using those people to not deal with my own problems. I mean, I, I was a mess. I was a mess, even though I was constantly trying to Can you stop calling us out, please? 
sorry girl it's all about the authenticity it's all about the genuineness it's you know? okay i grew from it i grew from it i'm good now yeah, i'm not no, there anymore we we grow from it and and you know i think it's important for people to know i don't want somebody looking at this and being like oh well she's somebody who has her shit together she's always had her shit together that's why she can do these things no i i want people to know like i did it I wrong first I was a prostitute. I have an arrest record and I'm not in that, I'm not in that place anymore. Right. Not there anymore. Oh, it's amazing. (laughs) So I I was a wreck, but I didn't stay a wreck because I didn't. But rock, people don't understand rock bottom produces the best results. I hate to say it. You got two choices when you hit rock bottom, give up or get growing. Yep. Is it? Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's, it's, I'm really glad that I got, I, I became a drug addict and hit bottom because don't hate me, but the therapy that I was going through was never going to fix me. It, mm-hmm. it took drug and alcohol recovery to create a foundation for them, me to be like personal develop myself to death to become the woman that I am today. And I'm still uh-huh. growing, There's still uh-huh. you know, stuff for me to change. But yeah, so, and this is one of the things that I realized during uh, when I was in drug recovery was that, you know, they talked about how if you keep reaching down to help people, you know, you got to think it's almost like you're standing on a chair and you're trying to pull them up with you. It's much more likely that they're going to pull you down than you are going to be able to pull them up. <laughs> truth, 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 truth. Did truth. that my whole life. Exactly. And so that's where you know, I realized I'm like, I, I want to keep leveling up, not out of a superiority and a hierarchical thing, but just for lack of better language, I, I want to continue to evolve and evolving is absolutely possible. And it takes a lot of energy. It's not necessarily hard. It's mostly our mindset and our impatience that make it hard, but it takes a lot of energy to up level. And I was trying to up-level myself and up-level my friends, partially because I was afraid to go on without them. I was afraid to like, to be without them because I knew that on this new level, I wasn't going to relate to them anymore. And they weren't going to relate to me. Again, it's not about like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm so evolved now, like screw all that. It's, it's just that now we're just in a different place, you know? And I finally, I was like, there's people that they don't want this. I don't understand that they don't want it but they don't want it. And, and for a while I sat in judgment, not of where they were, but the fact that they didn't want to change. And I've finally gotten to a place where I just realized that I'm a different type of person. I'm not a better person. I'm not a, you know, they're not bad people, but I'm a different type of person. And so that's when I really went on the growth journey of really looking at codependence. Um, and while I was in drug recovery, I also went to some, um, recovery meetings for codependence. Um, and that was the beginning of me really stepping away from depression, stepping away from anxiety and, um, you know, looking at what was really possible, you know, in my life and starting to get better people in my life, people that were more on my wavelength. And, um, yeah. I just listened to the work that you've done over the years and it's, you know, a lot of people don't know what work looks like. Um, A lot of people feel like they're not doing it right. A lot of people don't understand the importance of, you know, mindset and your story and how it plays into your ability to sell. 
you know? And so I think that it's imperative that people understand that when you are hiring a coach, no matter what coach it is, there is internal work that's going to go along with it because people don't understand that that mindset and that internal work affects your results, you know, and you cannot perform in a business if you are a hot mess. That's well, there's always exceptions to the rule. (laughs) Well, you can perform, but you may not get the results that you're looking for because it will impact your performance. Well, you may perform very well in the beginning and then crash and burn. It's just probably not sustainable, you know? That's true. That is true. And it's, you know, another, it's another reason why I'm transparent about my story uh, because I want people, so when I got into this business, I had a background in sales from working as an escort, you know, I came in one amount of money. And then because I was, I was a smart hoe and I had paid attention because <laughs> I had paid attention to girls, West coast pimping is the, is the stuff. Okay. Like they, they know how to, t- to teach a girl how to get some money. I'm not advocating anybody to go get a West coast pimp, but they, they know how to get money. So I would walk in for one amount and then I would talk my way up and I got very proficient at, you know, talking my way up to like over a thousand dollars for an hour of my time, you know, and you know, some of my naughty skills. Um, and so I had a very strong background in sales, but when I came into coaching, I discounted all that because I was like, well, but that's illegal. And it's like, it doesn't matter. It's still sales. <laughs> I literally just sat here and came up with a blog post. Like everything is a lesson. And, and you just made an excellent point. I mean, yes, painful story, but people do not understand that all skills are valuable yes. or viable. You know, even, you know, when I worked in the prison, my, I was in classification. It was my job to classify what your skills are and how we can use them while you're here, what programs we can enroll you in to, you know, magnify yes. and to perfect those skills so that you can be useful in the world. And this is what people are missing. People expect, well, no, I'm not going to say that. Part of the reason I started my business is because working in substance abuse and working in prisons, I got to see the rehabilitation programs and normal people need those. And people do not do the work unless they're broken or incarcerated. And what we have to somehow do is influence people to do the work, even when they are not confined. Yeah, I I feel the same. I don't have the background with with corrections. Fortunately, my oh um, no no, you got the background on the other side, but it's still the same same exposure. I mean, you're still seeing the inner workings of it just from a different perspective. You yeah. got you got experience I don't have. Oh yeah, and and to be clear, I loved working as an escort. I had a ball. It was amazing. So much fun. You know, uh, when, when I, when the, when the industry changed and I wasn't having fun anymore, that's when I got a career coach and I was like, look, I got to get out. And, and that's how, that's what put me on the path um, to coaching. But, um, but I share that part of my story because I know that a lot of my mindset problems, like, even though I loved what I did and I actually worked in sex workers rights, I was interviewed, um, on television multiple times about sex workers rights. Um, I really loved it. I was really passionate about it. I still had internalized some of the stigma. And so when it came to running my own business, even though I had run my own business before, 
I, I had this, these stories that I couldn't do it, you know, and that, you know, well, I mean, I've got a criminal record. Well, it matters even less as an entrepreneur than it did as, you know, trying to work for corporations or whatever. But I did, I had a lot of that negative, you know, self-talk of, you know, I'm damaged, I'm, you know, blah, 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 blah. And that, that um, kept doing work on myself. And I was doing like massive amounts of EFT, the emotional freedom technique on myself. And I, even after years of working on myself, I, I found this in my mind's eye, uh, I called it the seething ball of self-loathing. And it was like this oily, viscous, black sphere of like almost like glistening tar in, in, my, in my like lower abdomen that wanted me to die. It was like where all of my self-hatred, you know, it's like I had gotten rid of so much, but there was this last bastion of it. And, um, you know, I had to do a lot of work on that, but a lot of it really was tied to, you know, I was a drug addicted prostitute. Never mind that I had a lot of fun at it <laughs> for a long time before it became a problem. Um, but getting through that self-hatred and, you know, doing that mindset work, um, in addition to, for me, yeah, I had a lot of mindset issues around my self-worth. I had a lot of mindset issues around sales and that all sales were slimy and under rich people were assholes and all this stuff. I had to work through all of that. Um, but with the sales, I also, like, you can do all that till the cows come home. If you're not using a strategy that feels good to you, it won't matter. So mindset is very important, but you also have the, you have to have aligned strategies for the way you're going to market, the way you're going to sell, um, or even aligned strategies for how you're going to grow. Like we were talking before we started recording about how, you know, you go and you learn something and then you take you take what works for you and you leave the rest and you kind of build your own thing, you know, and you want mentors that empower you to do that. You don't want to hire people who are like, I have this five step system and it works for everybody and you're going to do it. And you know, no, no system works for everybody. All right. So tell everybody more about your programs and, and what you're working on now. Yeah. So my goal is to create the platinum standard for ethical sales training for the coaching and healing industries. Um, and it can, it can be adapted for other things, but that's my main focus right now. So my soulful sales Academy will be coming out in March. I'm doing a beta test right now and getting a ton of fantastic market research. I know what it took for me to be able to sell and, and feel like I was selling with integrity and be successful. Now I'm finding out what other people need because I really, really want to be of service. I want to make great money, but if people aren't changed after coming through my program, I'll just, no, that doesn't work. <laughs> so I'm going to be, um, if you want to follow me on Facebook, that's, that's where I'm mainly focused right now. Um, I do have a Facebook group called Ethical High Ticket Sales for Coaches and Healers probably going to change that pretty soon to soulful sales, you know, just to kind of be in alignment. Um, but it's going to be a seven week program. Um, if you're interested in it, there's going to be a course, um, a group program, and then some VIP spots for people who want to work one-to-one, -one. but um, it's really all, all a deep dive into how to deliver high impact, high integrity sales calls so that you can work, get out there and get your, get out there and start doing the work that you know you're meant to do. Love it. And tell everybody how to find you. So um, it's Heather, uh, Heather Smith on Facebook. Uh, there's going to be a ton of them. Um, my my uh, profile picture right now is me going. <laughs> 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 I 
<laughs> and then my cover photo is, is like me as an anime character, you know, like wearing um, my crazy heels. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. My daughter loves anime. Yeah. Yes. She's all into it. She literally wrote something on the back of my truck. I don't even know what it says, but it was in whatever language. Yeah. <laughs> She's yeah, I don't and look, I thought about it after I was driving around. I was like, I have no idea what that says. She could have said anything and I wouldn't know what that is. Cause I'm sure it's in some Asian language. Her my son and my daughter even call each other names off of the anime characters and stuff. Yeah. So I'm out if of the loop. If it's if it's real anime, then it's Japanese. Um okay. that's where anime originated. Which I think is so appropriate for where we are, but you know. Yep. Yeah, it, the it, influence is real. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Hawaii is like owned half by. Um, my understanding is it's it's owned half by the Japanese and half by uh, Brigham Young University. Well, you know, we don't see you know if you don't go to North Shore, you wouldn't even know that um, Brigham Young is here, believe it or not. Um, yeah. But um, but yeah, you're right. The Japanese influence is real. I even went to Manoa and saw the the old cemetery, and I've been to the um, the temple. So yeah, it's amazing. But yeah. um, you're geeking out. I, I lived in Hawaii briefly and, and she lives there there now. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's but, you know, it, exposure is everything and and everything helps. Um, so anyway, thank you so much for being here. I'm going to definitely put your descriptions, your links and all of that. You guys will be able to find her um, in the descriptions. Um, any last words of advice for our listeners and viewers? Whatever, whatever you have in your past that you feel like is um, insurmountable, like you just have to stay stubborn. Like there's a solution. There is a solution. Like you just have to mm -hmm. stay stubborn stay and don't stubborn. what people think is possible um, for them. You know, don't be limited by that. Like go after, go after your healing, go after your growth. Um, with single-minded purpose. It doesn't mean you have to breathe, live and breathe it every second of every day, but just get after it because there's, there's solutions out there for you. And um, if you're an entrepreneur and you find that, <clears throat> you know, the, the models that you're seeing on how to be an entrepreneur don't feel good to you, same thing, like find, find your own way. There, there are people doing things differently. You just have to look hard enough to find us. Um, <laughs> but Anika's definitely one. I'm definitely one. Um, you know, uh, anybody you find in my group is, is going to be, you know, an ethical entrepreneur who's really trying to do big, big things and good things in this world. Um, so yeah, figure out your standards, values, and desires and, and create your life from that and to help with everything else. Amen. All right. I want to thank you guys for tuning in to another edition of Your Voice, Your Power with Anika and the amazing Heather Wild Smith. As always, I'm going to tell you guys what I always do. Stay powerful. <laughs>